AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome to another edition of the Prologue on America's Web Radio. This is a weekly program bringing you introductions to writers and books that you may not be familiar with. Now, my name is Doug Dahlgren. I'm an author myself, and I'm going to be your host for this next hour. Now, I have eight fiction novels that are available. They're action thrillers, some you just might enjoy, and I hope that you'll take a minute and learn more about those through my website, which is www.dougdahlgren.com, or you can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all those online sites, and find out good stuff about it there. Now, we call this program the Prologue for a good reason. That's what it is. It's an introduction. And while our introductions are mainly for writers, we love to bring you interesting people with just a good story to tell from other fields and other endeavors as well. Now, if you don't have a pen or a pencil handy, please get one right quick and something to write on. Because throughout this program, there's going to be information that we offer that you're going to want to make note of. Like this, for instance. If you or someone you know has a book or that interesting story that we spoke of earlier, please, I want you to reach out to me through email. Now, there's two ways you can do that. There's Doug at AmericasWebRadio.com or Doug at DougDahlgren.com. I'd love to get back to you, and we can talk about scheduling you or your friend on a future program. Now, our guest this hour is an award-winning author with a new novel scheduled for release a bit later this fall. That's 2016. That title is Aftermath, and I'm sure that with a little bit of coaxing, we'll be able to get him to tell us something about it a little bit later. But he's here today to talk about another side of his personality and his talents. That's his outreach, the offering to help aspiring new writers and anyone interested in this craft. George Weinstein is his name, and we'll bring him on right after you allow me to recognize a couple of very important groups of listeners that we are so proud to have here on the Prologue. First is our uniformed servicemen and women stationed around the world, doing what they do to keep us safe here at home. It's easy to take our freedom for granted, and so many around us do, but that freedom's not free. It's bought and paid for daily by our brave troops, and we want to remember them and thank them for their service. The other group is right here at home, in your city or your town. It's those first responders, the police, fire, rescue personnel, the ones who rush to your aid when you need their help. They don't care who you are or what color you are. They just respond. So please, don't forget these folks. They're there for all of us, and be there for them when they need it. Now, I want to bring George on right away. He's a man many of you know through his long relationship with the Atlanta Writers Club, and there's other groups that he's been associated with throughout this North Georgia region. He was president of the Atlanta Writers for many years and worked under every job description that they had until term limits caught up with him, and they came up with the title of Officer Emeritus, which simply means he can't ever leave. George Weinstein is with us this hour. Mr. Weinstein, welcome to the prologue. Well, thank you very much for this opportunity, Doug. We're real pleased to have you here. Your career as a writer began some 16 years ago, and I understand that along the way, love letters actually played a role in honing your craft. Is is that correct? 
That's absolutely right. Uh, I had always wanted to be a writer, but uh, I got realistic about uh, my prospects of making a living doing that and kind of put those dreams away uh, for a long time. But then uh, in 1991, uh, 25 years old, and uh, went on a blind date uh, with a woman that a mutual friend set up, and I fell madly in love. Love at first sight, instantly in love with this woman. Unfortunately, I'm living in Macon, South Carolina at the time. Uh, she's across the river in Augusta, Georgia. But she traveled three weeks out of every four uh, to California, uh, Washington State, uh, Oregon. She's always on the West Coast. And this is 1991, and there were really no convenient ways to communicate long distance because of the crazy late hours she worked. It would be in the morning my time before I could get a hold of her and you know your other options were to send a fax which is really unromantic or you could write love letters and so that's that's what I did and uh, I really learned how to write all over again by writing love letters to this woman so we met July 16th 1991 and I wrote 23 of these and I'd FedEx them out to whatever hotel she was staying at uh, out west and uh, on October 3rd, 1991, she said yes. And we were married uh, the December 21st, 1991. So it'll be 25 years this year. And that experience of wooing this person with love letters, where every one of those had to count, which meant every, every sentence had to count. You know, word choice was so important. Cadence, it taught me all those things that distinguish uh, good writing from writing that, uh, that doesn't make an impact on a reader. Uh, so it was a, an absolutely perfect lesson uh, and uh, one I've, I've carried forward uh, since then. Well, writing is, is expressing your thoughts on paper, and those of us who try to do that, we hope it's in a manner that the reader can understand, and, and not just the words, but the meaning behind those words. The intent, as it were. So, what better genre to learn in, seriously, than a love letter? And we can assume uh, those love letters worked because you were married a bit later that year. So, congratulations. Well, thank you very much. And uh, I actually parlayed that uh, that experience into my first uh, national publication in an anthology called "A Cup of Comfort for Writers," where I talked about uh, how I learned to write by writing love letters called 23 and a half love letters because I was working on number 24 when she said yes. Ah, very good. Tell us a bit more about that anthology. Uh, it was a collection that came out, uh, uh, I guess it was around uh, 2000, 2002, uh, that uh, really covered the gamut of uh, writing experiences, why people write, um, uh, why they were reluctant to write and finally gave in to that impulse. Uh, how they were compelled to write uh, ever since they were little kids, which was, you know, my story. Um, I remember six years old writing plays for my stuffed animals to act out to entertain my brother and sister. So it's just the way my my brain is wired. Uh, I just have to express myself that way. Hey, and uh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, finish your thought. Uh, so the the anthology was a, a collection of uh, really a wide range of uh, people's experiences uh, learning to write and you know and then how it 
impacted them and uh, those for whom they wrote. Now, your first novel really was released in 2008, from what I can find. But you were writing, it's, it looks like several novels that, that really did not get released until somewhat later, and we'll go into detail about that in just a little. But that first novel was Jake and the Tiger Flight. Can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, absolutely, and I'll, I'll back up a little bit. Uh, I started writing my first novel in 2000. Uh, it took me a couple of years to figure out how to do that. Got an agent with that novel, uh, and she gave me great advice. The only good thing she did for me was to give me this piece of advice that uh, everybody should follow, and that's get to work on another book. Don't wait for this one to sell, because uh, nobody wants a one-hit wonder. They want, you know, uh, books in the pipeline uh, every year. So get to work on another book. So I got to work on another book. Another year and a half passes. Uh, turned that over to her. She still hasn't sold the first one. Now she's got a second one, different genre. She says that's wonderful. So she can approach different editors. Get to work on another book. So I get to work on a third book, and uh, and she doesn't sell that one. And I'm in. I'm an incredibly loyal person, and sometimes it's to my detriment because I should have fired her when she failed to sell the first book. But I stuck with her all the way until 2008. And during that same period, I was president of the Atlanta Writers Club, and uh, the gentleman who took over for me, Marty Afterwitz, uh, had a friend who was a pilot, uh, and the pilot was with an organization called the Tiger Flight Foundation. And as a nonprofit, that uh, their mission is to uh, teach children to become pilot in command of their lives. Uh, so, in other words, take control of their lives and fly their lives away uh, with the serious intent that you would fly a plane. So, it's all about uh, goal setting and following through, making plans, uh, carrying carrying through those plans, that sort of thing. And they wanted an adventure story, uh, especially for boys, uh, that uh, would sl- kind of slip, slip in, sneak in their leadership concepts uh, while still telling uh, an adventure that would be compelling without being preachy. So uh, uh, Marty and I collaborated on that with uh, one of the founders of the Tiger Flight Foundation, a fellow named Phil Cataldo, and uh, uh, they published that in uh, 2008, and I celebrated by doing a few things. One, <laughs> I fired my agent. <laughs> I made a copy of the, the check I got from the Tiger Fly Foundation, framed it, and I quit for a while and just focused all of my efforts, instead of on writing, on helping other writers. Um, and then it wasn't until 2012 that I finally uh, met a publisher that... Uh, I uh, worked well with and uh, ended up uh, getting a, a contract, uh, and, and they've now published, uh, well, four books uh, with the, the one that's coming out this fall, Aftermath. Well, now, at the time that you finally found uh, a publisher for Ti- uh, Jake and the Tiger Flight, you actually had three of these other books in the pipeline. They were either ready or close to ready. Is that right? They, they, they were already. They were manuscripts sitting in boxes and uh, on computer files. And the, the Tiger Flight Foundation uh, uh, went ahead and uh, published uh, that Jake book uh, under their own uh, under their own name. So, uh, you know, I was I was basically hired to uh, to do that. So kind I of a commission deal. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, which was a kind of a fun way to to work because you know I had a job to do and that was to write this book. They approved it and then they did what they wanted with it, and they still uh, exist uh, up in Rome, Georgia. And if uh, your listeners are interested, uh, they do free flights for kids on the second Saturday of every month uh, up in Rome at the airport, and they can find out more information about that at Tiger Flight Foundation. Outstanding. You mentioned earlier that you got involved with this because, and then and then kind of dropped writing for about four years because of your desire to help. And I think that that's really where we're headed. We're going to get into it in the next quarter uh, because you have an, an inert desire to help other writers. It comes through with everything that you've done. And uh, the Jake and the Tiger Flight, th- does that reflect your childhood in any way? Is that what founded you on wanting to help other people? Uh, in a way, because uh, the, the main character is a, is a boy who is just kind of drifting through life, and that boy was based uh, in part on the, what the pilots wanted, where you have a character arc with somebody who's drifting a little bit and then uh, needs to get his act together if he wants to make his dreams come true. But that boy uh, was, was also me growing up. Uh, I really wish I hadn't an organization like that that could have uh, got me by the scruff of the neck and uh, and led me in the right direction and gave me some uh, some needed guidance. Well, uh, we're we're proud that they're there again, folks. It's Tiger Flight. They are in Rome, Georgia. I want you to look them up. We're here this morning on the prologue. We're delighted to have our guest George Weinstein with us, and we're going to be back with more from George after these messages. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back. My name is Doug Dahlgren, and you're listening to the Prologue on America's Web Radio. We're real happy this morning to have a guest with us who is very distinguished in his work. His best-known novel is Hard Scrabble Road, and we're going to talk to him a little bit about that in a few minutes. But George Weinstein is here to talk about a workshop 
that he has coming up, and we want to get into that real quick. Now, George, the the storyline in Jake and the Tiger Flight, we talked about that. That kind of does that reflect your childhood in any way? Yes, uh, very very much so. Uh, I I based uh, the the title character Jake uh, on my myself uh, as a as a kid growing up, kind of drifting through life uh, with with no real plan, um, just kind of reacting to what came at him rather than taking charge. And uh, so that was uh, it was very easy to to write that one from experience. And that. Uh that entire motivation comes through in a lot of what you do as the president of Atlanta Writers Club and other seminars and things you've been into. You seem to always want to be helpful to others, particularly new writers. And, uh, you know, you're, you're very much like another friend that I have, Barbara Barth, who's just driven to help others who want to excel in this craft we call writing. Uh, now, there, there's many expressions of that that are in evidence in your case, one in particular is coming up at the end of August. It's going to be held in Eatonton, Georgia, at the Writers Georgia Writers Museum. You want to tell us a little bit about what you're doing down there on Saturday, August the 27th? That's right. Uh, so on August the 27th from uh, 10, 10 a.m. to noon, I'll be uh, conducting this, this workshop for Georgia Writers Museum that uh, benefits the, the museum and uh, their mission to uh, celebrate Georgia-born and Georgia-based authors. Uh, and the participants that they're hoping to attract uh, are those who are just getting serious about writing, who are uh, new writers, who uh, really uh, need guidance uh, in a number of er- areas. And uh, when they contacted me about uh, doing this workshop, start thinking about the things I wish I knew back in 2000 when I got serious about uh, working on my, my first novel. And so I've divided the list of the things I'm going to talk about into uh, three unequal parts. Uh, it'll be weighted heavily toward craft advice and appreciation for the writer's life, uh, two things I desperately needed when I was starting out and really didn't appreciate that fact. And then, uh, lastly, things that everybody wants to know about, because uh, they always tend to put the cart before the horse, and that's knowledge about the publishing industry. So I'll talk about that, too. But I think those first two things, craft and uh, the uh, appreciation for the writer's life, and I'll detail that, uh, I think those two are vastly more important. Um, you know, it's, it's funny... Uh, when writers start out, we all tend to have producing a book, you know, seeing it in print or, uh, you know, available as an e-book as our, our end goal. But what we don't appreciate is that the journey to getting that book complete is so much more important in terms of the enjoyment of the writing process, because this is so doggone hard to do, um, you know, stringing one word after another, uh, is is a really difficult way to, to spend your time, and you have to love it if you're going to stick with it. And uh, and I, 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 I'm constantly telling writers that the only writer who fails is the one who quits, but gosh, it's easy to quit. I mean, I've done it <laughs> several times in, you know, in my so-called career, um, and it's because it's so gosh darn hard. Um, it, it's just very, very difficult to 
that way, and I'll I'll talk about that in a little more depth if you want me to. Well, one of the bullet points that's on the brochure, uh, and folks, you can find this at the website for the Georgia Writers Museum, um, but one of the bullet points is developing discipline. I think that's kind of what you've been talking about. Um, is that discipline the same for everybody? Well, uh, I mean, everybody has to put their butt in the chair and, uh, and, and get to work putting that one word after another. Uh, now, when they decide to do that, how they carve out that time, um, that's, that's a very personal decision, and, you know, it's based on what they've got going on in their lives and uh, the, the time they can carve out. And so I'll be talking about strategies for finding that time, you know, carving out that time. Inevitably, it means giving up something else. You know, I, I would give a, get up at 3 in the morning, you know, and write for three hours when I was working on that first novel, uh, right at lunchtime and, and right when I got home, uh, because to me, you know, getting getting the work done was more important than sleeping, sometimes eating. <laughs> I was I was really driven. But well, it, it's going to be all about carving out that time for yourself. That sounds like just pure motivation when you get that thought in your head that has to go. Um, everybody experiences it in different ways. Uh, but yeah, you have you have to be able to sit down and get the thought out of your head and get it on paper, uh, so it can grow and take off and go where it's going to go. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Uh, there are a pile of people out there who say, "Oh, one day I'm going to write a book," um, but there there are very there are m- many fewer people who've actually gone and done it. Uh, you know, there's an old cliche about everybody's got a book in them, but uh, it's it's only the the truly dedicated and or obsessed, I have to say, who uh, who get it done. You have to be a little obsessive about it. You do. You have to stick with it. And, you know, I've researched, and I'm proud of my readers, and I'm very pleased that so many are enjoying what I do. But, you know, the research has shown that I use the same words that John Grisham and Lee Childs use. I simply put them in a different order. So I'm really trying to decide why I'm not as popular as those two guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how that happened because I've had the, an identical thought myself. There you uh, go. There you go. You know, we're it, all working with the same language. It is. Well, you know, making fun of it, but there are the stories that we all have, and it's the way you tell your story, but there are some mechanics. There are some things that are important that not everybody knows, and, and I certainly did not initially, and I was very fortunate to have people that were pointing the way for me uh, at all stages of this, and uh, it is important. And I can uh, tell you from personal experience, listeners out there who are considering the workshop, I know there's all kind of people out there that are wanting you to come and listen to them, and they're going to tell you how to do it. George has an approach that you will appreciate uh, because he is definitely wanting to help you grow as a writer. He's not just looking to, to fleece you or take advantage of you or anything like some of these other things that can happen out there. Uh, this this is a project that you would uh, actually learn something from. Are there any other of the bullet points, George, that you'd like to mention while we're here this morning? Uh, absolutely. Uh, and uh, dovetailing with, with what you were saying, uh, finding uh, finding support groups is so important for, for writers. Uh, critique groups, so uh, trusted 
readers and writers who can uh, look at your drafts and give you guidance about what's working, but also what's not working. And uh, and then if you're really lucky, uh, they can tell you why it's not working rather than, well, it's just not hitting me right. Uh, the, the, the real prize for you is if you can find people who can tell you why it's not working. Because uh, sometimes you can't see that in your own work. You can see it in other people's, but uh, you're so close to to what you've done that uh, you you can't see uh, things that that might be glaring to others. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, also for folks uh, that may not have been aware that there is a writers' museum in Eatonton, Georgia. That's an amazing place on its own. Uh, tell folks how do they get to Eatonton? Let's see from. Uh from Atlanta, uh, you'll be heading east on I-20, and then uh, you'll go south on uh, Highway 441. And uh, the the folks at the Georgia Writers Museum say that they can accommodate at least 50, and if they have to knock down some walls and put up some more chairs, they'll do that if we have even more than that. Uh, so the, uh, the workshop is called uh, So You Want to Be a Writer, and uh, folks can find out... Uh, Everything about it at uh, GeorgiaWritersMuseum.com. And uh, if you're concerned about the pricing, uh, this <laughs> this is a real real bargain because uh, you get the two-hour workshop. Uh, I'll give you handouts, uh, stuff you can take home and uh, do homework with. Uh, it's only thirty dollars for members of the museum, and only thirty-five for uh, for those who aren't members. And uh, in addition, you get a copy of uh, any one of my, my books that are out. I'll, I'll autograph it and personalize it for you right there. That's outstanding. Very good. So you get the seminar. You get to, to find out all these great ideas, handouts, and a book signed by the author. That's tremendous. Now, again, this is for writers at all levels, but you're targeting mainly beginners. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I would, I would say uh, it's, it's mostly for beginners, uh, Experienced writers will have figured out a lot of this stuff on their own, but uh, I'd certainly welcome them in the room to... Uh, Confirmation to never hurts. <laughs> yep, and every once in a while you need the reminders. Uh, but uh, but not to you know lead anybody astray, uh, I, I really think they're, uh, they're targeting new writers uh, with this workshop. And uh, you know, that's, that's what I'll be talking about, is just really basic stuff. Now, do you welcome self-published authors? Oh, goodness, yes. Okay. Uh, there's, uh, you know, the only difference between a self-published and a traditionally published uh, author is uh, who's paying the bills. And uh, so traditionally published authors, uh, you know, occasionally need some advice. Uh, self-published authors do as well. There's, there's really no difference between the two. Do you see the industry changing the way it looks at self-published works? I have, and uh, I'll, I'll put on my uh, Atlanta Writers Conference hat, and I know we'll talk about the conference later, but I've been running uh, conferences for the Atlanta Writers Club since 2008, and we're doing our 15th uh, conference in November, and between 2008 and, and this year, I have seen the attitudes changing uh with the, the agents and the editors that I bring in. But there's uh, much more acceptance uh, and, and sometimes encouragement for, uh, 
for people to go out, you know, with their first couple of works and just try to build an audience that way. Uh, try to build platform, uh, develop a sales record, and find out just, you know, everything that it is involved with, uh, with getting a book out there and attracting readers because it's going to make you a more savvy writer down the road for them. So it's almost like uh, you, you can think about it as the minor leagues. You know, you, you go through A ball and double A and triple A, you know, before you're, you're ready for the show. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and lots of them now regard the, the self-publishing experience as, as simply working your way up through the minor leagues, you know, until you're, you're ready for uh, the majors. Folks, the workshop is called So You Want to Be a Writer. It's going to be Saturday, August 27th in Eatonton at the Georgia Writers Museum. We're here this morning with George Weinstein. He will be heading up this workshop, and we're going to be back with more from George after these messages. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Are your health insurance premiums going up? You are not alone. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org to understand why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. This is Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. Understanding health insurance is becoming more challenging. If you currently have insurance, you've probably noticed that it costs more to see your doctor. And if you're able to keep your doctor, it takes longer to get an appointment. The bad news is this trend is projected to continue. Your costs will likely continue to rise, while your health care choice and access will continue to fall. The good news is Peachtree ENT Center has the answer to this problem. We believe in taking care of the whole patient, because healing is more than writing a prescription. We are committed to working with you, and we specialize in providing affordable care for patients without insurance, those who are underinsured, and those with high deductibles or catastrophic coverage, and we offer same-day appointments. You no longer have to choose between staying healthy and paying bills because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Buzz off with Lawyer Liz. Join me each week, Wednesdays at 2 o'clock, as we talk drones, Internet of Things, and technology. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back. We're happy to have George Weinstein with us this morning. We've been talking about his seminar or workshop, actually, that's coming up uh, the end of August down in Eatonton, Georgia. George is the author of five books. Uh, One is due to be released just a little bit later this fall. But out there are Jake and the Tiger Flight, Hard Scrabble Road, probably his best-known work, The Five Destinies of Carlos Marino, The Caretaker, and, of course, coming up later this fall will be Aftermath. Uh, George, 
tell the folks out there where they can go to find out more about you and your work. Absolutely. Uh, I guess the best place would be my website, uh, which is uh, George Weinstein, and I'll spell that, W-E-I-N-S-T-E-I-N.com, GeorgeWeinstein.com. Uh, the books are available as uh, uh, paperbacks and e-books uh, through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the uh, traditional uh, places where you can uh, purchase books. Um, and uh, you might also uh, look at uh, my publisher's website, Deeds, D-E-E-D-S, publishing.com. As we said earlier, uh, Hard Scrabble Road probably is your best-known work. Would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Came out late in 2012, and, and right away, accolades started rolling in on this work. Uh, notable authors from this area like William Rawlings, Cherry Kay, Jedwin Smith, Patty Callahan Henry, George Singleton, they all lined up to offer praise for this work. Now, I know that you've got a real appreciation for and that you have cultivated the relationships that produce these reviews. So getting folks like that to talk about you and your work, it's not just luck, is it? I mean, this is another learning thing for the new writers out there. Would you share a little bit about what it took to develop those relationships? Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's really all about giving back. Uh, so I, I met all of those authors uh, and, and many, many more through uh, my work volunteering for the Atlanta Writers Club. And uh, I was pleased to uh, recruit them to come speak to the club. They had a good time. They sold books. Uh, they, uh, they liked me as a result. And so when my my first book came out, it was uh, just like falling off a log to to ask them to to give me a what we call a blurb or a testimonial about the book, and they were uh, all too happy to to do so. But uh, I had cultivated those relationships so that you know when it was time to to help me out, uh, they were they were all too happy to do that and uh, continued to be very supportive of me as I continued to be very supportive of them. So that it, there's a very nurturing uh, relationship. It's not quid pro quo. It's you know we all want to see each other succeed, um, and especially when you demonstrate first, when you make the first uh, first move to demonstrate that you want them to succeed, and you're going to do things that will enable them to succeed. You know you build credibility and. Uh, and you build credibility by, by giving of yourself and not expecting something in return. Uh, the relationships that I developed with Terry Kay and the others were developed years before I had a, had a book out. Uh, so you know, it was very clear to them that I wasn't getting anything out of it uh, initially when I, was, when I was helping them. I helped them merely because I want to see them succeed. And, uh, it's it's just a good good lesson for all of us to learn, uh, even even the non-writers. Credibility is the key, and the, and the people we listed, they don't give away something just because you were nice to them. Uh, they may look at your work because you were nice to them, but the comments that you get are going to be genuine. Uh, they you know they just simply don't have to do it another way. Like you said, there's no quid pro quo or anything like that. But I think the key to other folks out there listening is that even if you think your work is really good, you've still got to get out there. You've got to work to become known, as we say. So it uh, doesn't hurt to get out there and help other people. George, 
fantastic. Yeah. Yep. And and I was going to say, you know, go to go to book signings. Uh, <laughs> what's the the easiest way to help another author? You buy their books because, and I'm telling this to to writers all the time. You know, writers say, oh well, no, I I never go to book signings. I never buy any other writers' books. And I said, well, how do you expect people that? Why do you expect people to show up and buy your book? If you're not supporting other people, exactly. Uh, (laughs) And of course, other folks notice who's there to support that author, so that that helps in a great deal. Let's go back to Hard Scrabble Road. Um, You were born in uh, suburban Maryland, is that right? right? And raised raised in Maryland. Yeah, raised by Yankees, south of the Mason Dixon line. But as my wife's family will very quickly point out, (laughs) I'm a Yankee. Okay. Well, but we're, we're going to call you a damned Yankee because we got you down here and you're not going back. Is that right? That's right. Okay. Now, you wrote Hard Scrabble Road in first person, first of all. That's an interesting uh, perspective or narrative to use. And it's written as a tale of the rural South during the Depression. Now, let me ask you, if you don't mind, but being from suburban Maryland, how did you research characters and locations and facts to put in this book. Okay, well, going going back to uh, my my marriage uh, uh, to the, the woman I've been married to for twenty five years, uh, we got engaged on October third, October fourth. We go to visit her parents for the first time, and uh, her mom was beautiful inside and out, uh, an artist. Uh, she was she was remarkable, and her father. Uh, my wife's father was the best storyteller God's ever put on this earth, and it was something that came very naturally to him. And uh, he grew up uh, desperately poor. He's uh, a child of sharecroppers during the Great Depression, and there was nobody poorer than a sharecropper's kid in the 1930s. And uh, would tell me these stories, uh, sometimes blood-curdling, harrowing, uh, occasionally funny, but uh, always compelling, telling me these stories about the hard-scrabble existence he and his brothers uh, had growing up with a psychotic father and uh, a mother who had had every mothering gene somehow removed from her body, wasn't interested at all in raising them, and uh, how they learned self-reliance real quick, and uh, how they took care of each other and looked over each other uh, throughout their, their childhood. Uh, just fascinating stories, really gut-wrenching stories sometimes, and uh, he told them so well that I started writing them down immediately, and uh, I accumulated those throughout the 1990s, and uh, after my first book uh, got picked up by that, that agent, I knew I wanted to write his story because at that point I knew how to write a novel, and so I approached him and said, uh, "Hey, Dad, would you would you mind if I write a novel about your based on your childhood? Uh, so it'll be a based on a true story. I'm going to change everybody's names. Uh, I'm going to change some incidents. It's going to be a novel, but I would like to use your your stories uh, as a deep background and." Uh, uh, so I got a chance to interview him quite intentionally then about all the sensory details, the way things smelled and tasted and felt and all of that. Uh, and that's really what 
life was using his words, uh, his his imagery, the, you know, his his memories. Uh, it was like stepping into a time machine talking to this man. Oh, I can uh, imagine. You, you would you would blink and you'd be surprised you're you're sitting in a kitchen in Florence, Alabama, instead of uh, out in a cotton field in uh, outside of Colquitt, Georgia. The other side of the state, but my mother was one of nine children that was raised in Appling County, over near Baxley and Waycross area. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing about your characters, those days and those eras and and the, and the regions that they grew up in, these people were dirt poor, but they didn't know it, you know. And that's the amazing thing. They they knew they didn't have everything, but they didn't consider themselves destitute. It was just the the, the way they lived. And and bringing these people to life is uh, is just something that grabs folks by the heart, and and brings them into the story. And I think it's evident that you did a real good job in Hard Scrabble Road uh, with all the folks that have praised this book. Um, you consider yourself to be an eclectic novelist now. Uh, tell the folks what you mean by that. I'm eclectic because I never write the same kind of novel twice, which, uh, frankly, is not a good strategy for long-term success in this industry. <laughs> the, the people who do much better are the people you named, the Lee Childs of the world, who, uh, you know, he's got, what, 20 Jack Reacher books now or something mm-hmm. like that. And you know what you're going to get, you know, if you're a Lee Child fan, you're going to buy every one of his darn books. He's got another one coming out this fall, uh, and he's great. And uh, and and following uh, a, you know, uh, a tried-and-true strategy of, of having recurring characters and... Uh, you know, in, a, in situations that are that are uh, new each time, but still uh, familiar because it's a thriller. You know what you're going to get. Whereas me, I I have a short attention span, and I never want to write the same kind of thing twice. I never want to tread tread over the same ground uh, again and again. So, you know, Hard Scrabble Road uh, is Southern historical. My first novel. The Five Destinies of Carlos Moreno is multicultural, uh, historical, and uh, we can talk about that now or uh, a little bit later if we have time. Um, the third book, The Caretaker, is modern romance slash women's fiction. Uh, Aftermath is a mystery uh, set in South Georgia, so we can call that a southern mystery if you'd like. Uh, and I usually write about uh, settings in the South, but certainly never in the same place and uh, never in the same, same time period. So I'm all over the place. Well, you may be all over the place, but writers have their own voice. And so I'm sure that George Weinstein's voice comes through in all your work, and that's, that's what people will look for. And uh, I'm sure they're going to want to look in again, tell us real fast where they can find more about all of your books. Uh, certainly. Uh, my website, again, is georgeweinstein.com, georgeweinstein.com. On Amazon, uh, I have an author's page there and uh, uh, at deedspublishing.com. You mentioned history in several of your genres. There are history somewhere that people have to be very careful because if you make a mistake, uh, they'll find it, won't they? Absolutely. I live in dread uh, when a, a historical book comes out of having made an error. And, and also making an error in, uh, in language. Uh, Hard Scarborough is, is full of a lot of uh, Southern dialect and vernacular. Oh, yeah. oh, and yeah. uh, 
the best reviews I get are from readers who say, you nailed it. This is exactly the way my daddy talked. It's what you want to hear. Folks, we're here this morning with George Weinstein, and we're going to be back with more after these short messages. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And folks, welcome back to the prologue. My name is Doug Dahlgren. We're talking this morning with Mr. George Weinstein. George is an author. He's got four books out, another one due to be released later this fall. Uh, one of the other notable, uh, we've been talking about Hard Scrabble Road, and I'm sure most of you have heard about that. Uh, another book that he had in the pipeline for years that was actually released in 2013 is called A Caretaker. And that one actually received a blurb from Cassandra King and many other well-known authors, glowing reviews about his work. George, I wanted to ask you, do you ever get tired of that, of all these people coming at you with these great reviews? Oh, heck no. <laughs> In fact, uh, there are people each time I, uh, I ask who, uh, they're, they're the busiest writers in the business, and they never quite have time for me. So uh, I am grateful for, for every one of those people who, uh, who is willing to uh, sacrifice the time that it takes to read a book and then consider a blurb. Remind the folks, I know that most people probably know who Cassandra King is, but remind the folks who, who that gracious lady is. Oh, absolutely. She's uh, just a terrific Southern author who uh, has a, a number of books out, and uh, she's probably also equally famous for being the uh, wife of the uh, late Pat Conroy. Indeed. Did you ever get to meet him? I did. Uh, uh, thanks to Terry Kay, I was uh, involved at a Mercer University Press luncheon a few years ago, and the... Uh, the keynote speaker was uh, was Pat Conroy, and uh, he was uh, up on stage with Terry Kay. Had a chance to, to meet him. Uh, I, I knew Cassandra through the Atlanta Writers Club because I brought her in as a speaker a couple of times, and uh, it was it was good to see her again, and uh, just wonderful to uh, meet this uh, this giant uh, in in the industry. Uh, very very gracious. He was. Uh, he was uh, articulate and took up time with, with all of us lesser authors, which I appreciated. You've mentioned several times, and I have as well, your work with the Atlanta Writers Club. 
when did you first become associated with them? Oh, it was back in uh, 2000 uh, when the uh, the organization was, uh, frankly, much much smaller. It had been uh, uh, kind of declining a little bit uh, in attendance and just uh, interest. And uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to uh, ramrod some uh, some decisions through and to. Uh, Changed the way they were doing things. Changed their meeting uh, days and uh, and just uh, you know the structure of the organization, and that encouraged uh, lots more people to uh, be able to participate. So when I uh, found them uh, back in 2000, we would have you know, 48 paying members and 12 people showing up to a meeting, and uh, now we have over 650 members and uh, sometimes 100 more people show up at uh, the Georgia State University Perimeter College campus where we meet the third Saturday of uh, every month uh, at 1.30. And uh, people who are interested in the Atlanta Writers Club, they can go to atlantawritersclub.org. Outstanding. Now, through work and volunteering, you stressed the volunteering several times. Uh, when were you elected as president of that organization? Uh, that was in 2004, and I uh, served uh, until 2007, and then my, my friend Marty Aftowitz, who uh, ended up becoming also my co-author on Jake and the Tiger Flight, he took over uh, for a couple of years, and uh, and then uh, Clay Ramsey served for two full terms, a full four years, which was an incredible amount of uh, giving, and then uh, my good friend Val Connors after that for a couple of years, and then current president is named Mike Brown, who's also a well-respected author. Now, I mentioned earlier that you held just about every office that they have. In fact, it must be every one of them because they had to come up with a title for you. They didn't want you to get away. You're currently yep. Officer Emeritus. Um, there's a couple things about that. It, it shows that you weren't into this thing for yourself. They don't ask somebody to stick around because they're there promoting themselves all the time. They want people there who are helping others. And so that's, again, very obvious is your personality and what you're all about. Uh, but what does an officer emeritus, what do you do? Uh, so I'm, I'm now the wise old head. Uh, I'm, I'm still younger than uh, many of the, uh, uh, the, the other people, but I have been there and been active longer than anybody else. Uh, there's there's nobody associated with the Atlanta Writers Club who's uh, been around, been active since 2000, and, and is still uh, an active part of it. So I have designated myself as the uh, Lifetime Atlanta Writers Conference Director. I mentioned the conference before, and this is uh, uh, an opportunity for writers to uh, meet with agents, meet with acquisition editors from New York publishing houses, uh, learn much more about the industry, and also uh, learn learn more about the craft from the uh, international best-selling authors uh, that I bring in. Uh, the next conference is November 4th and 5th, and we always hold it uh, down uh, near the airport at the Westin Atlanta Airport Hotel. And if folks are interested in looking up more about that conference, we still got plenty of seats available. Uh, that's at AtlantaWritersConference.com. And uh, people sometimes ask, well, where does the money from that conference go? Well, we've been able to fund uh, scholarships for perpetuity uh, with uh, 
Georgia State University's Perimeter College campus. There's a, an English major every year who gets a full-ride scholarship thanks to us uh, and thanks to the, uh, the income that we bring in through those conferences. Uh, we give lots of money to the Decatur Book Festival, the Townsend Prize for Fiction, which is a biennial uh, award. All of that comes from uh, some membership dues, but mostly from uh, the, the conference income we're able to give in. So when when people sign up for that, they're really paying it forward to uh, other other writers who are going to have opportunities thanks to them. Absolutely. Folks, I hope you had those pencils raised and made a note of that uh, particular conference. It's going to be November 4th and 5th down near the airport, and uh, we hope you'll uh, look into that. Now, George, I know the Atlanta Writers Club is your primary focus. How many other organizations similar to that or offshoots of that are you associated with? Uh, well, I'm doing uh, some panel discussions uh, at the uh, Broadleaf uh, Writers Conference. Uh, this is their first uh, conference. That's September 4th, 24th, and 25th in Decatur. Again, September 24th and 25th. Uh, it's a it's a newer writing organization, the Broadleaf Writers Association, and uh, they are very craft-focused, uh, which is wonderful because that's, of course, one of the first things that, uh, that writers need, as we discussed, is uh, a lot of help with craft. Um, and so that's, that's their mission, and uh, folks can find out more about that conference and about that association at broadleafwriters.com. Uh, there's a Writer's High Retreat on September 9th through 11th. Uh, that's uh, uh, independent. The Atlanta Writers Club uh, is a sponsor, but uh, uh, totally independent of the, the Writers Club. And uh, they are focused on craft as well. And uh, they'll have Jocelyn Jackson, Jessica Handler, a number of uh, terrific authors there. That's uh, September 9th through 11th. Way up in Young Harris. Uh, Georgia at the Brasstown Valley Resort, and uh, uh, people can find out more about that at thewritershigh.com, T-H-E, writershigh.com. That's a beautiful place if folks haven't been up there. Absolutely a gorgeous location. Are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, okay. Uh, it's spectacular. Now, George, we want to remind the folks again that the primary focus that we're wanting to remind people about today is that you have a very special workshop coming up August 27th in Eatonton, Georgia. It's called So You Want to Be a Writer. Uh, real quick, tell the folks uh, what's going on there. And uh, that'll be from 10 a.m. to noon at the Georgia Writers Museum uh, to benefit the, the museum and uh, their mission. And uh, we'll focus on craft. We'll focus on uh, developing the discipline you need to be a writer, and uh, we'll talk about uh, the uh, business side of publishing as well, and people can find out more at georgiawritersmuseum.com. All right. Now, I always try to pay off my promises. I've backed myself up against the time here, but you've got a new book coming out. The title is Aftermath, and I promised the listeners that you'd share a little peek at this new novel with us. Can you do that, please? A absolutely. Uh, it'll be published in October. Um, I think they've got the pre-orders available on the uh, on Amazon and on the Deep Publishing website. And it was inspired by a what-if writing exercise. Uh, 
where I started thinking, well, what if a, an open and shut murder case is anything but, and the uh, victim's daughter becomes obsessed with unraveling the mystery, and what if she makes herself the uh, the next target because uh, the there may be uh, people out there who were involved in the first murder who uh, haven't gone away like everybody thought. So Uh-oh. That, <laughs> so that, that turned into uh, Aftermath. Well, we're going to look for that one. Um, you're going to come back. Maybe we can get you scheduled to come back, and we'll go into a little bit more detail about that one later this fall. How about that? That'd be lovely. Thank you. All right. Very good. Folks, I want to... Thank George for being here. It's been such a pleasure to have him on the prologue this morning. And uh, we just, the, the ball is in your court, okay? We want you to look up George Weinstein. Look him up on Amazon or his website. We want you to start enjoying his great work. And we hope you're going to tell all your friends about this show and how they can listen to the free podcast by simply clicking on the links at americaswebradio.com. So for now, uh, that's it. I want to again thank my guest for today, George Weinstein. And for me, I'm Doug Dahlgren. And for George, I want to say be good to yourselves and each other. I hope you'll read a book. If it's not one of George's, maybe it'll be one of mine. And I'll see you all again in just 167 hours. Take care now. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.